1: Pastor Keith Crosby of Hillside Church.
2: Verse 4. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. I mean, he's just hammering this home. Obedience to Christ is a sign of your love for Christ. Do not kid yourself. It's a sign of life, a test of life, according to Jesus. Our actions
1: Senior Pastor of Hillside Church in San Jose, California. We are so blessed that you've chosen to spend time with us today on the broadcast. And as always, we would encourage you to follow along with us in your Bibles if you can. On today's edition of Grace to Live, Pastor Keith continues with our series in the book of First John, a series entitled, That You May Know. So if you have your Bibles, please turn with us today to the book of First John, Chapter 2. Now, here's Pastor Keith with today's study.
2: Father, uh, Lord, we thank you that we could gather today as your people in this meeting house, that those who love your word, as those who love one another, as you've called us to do. Father, this is a brutal passage in a way. Lord, this son of thunder comes storming in, and yet in tenderness, Lord, he calls us to consider where we stand as the apostle of love. And there is grace and truth in here, Father. And the truth is hard and the grace is good, but it's all good because it's from you, Lord. Help me to be up to the task of delivering this message. Father, help us all be up to the task of applying it to our lives as we take a long, hard look in the mirror of your word. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. I'd like to begin with a quote, it is, I, have, I love quotes, I, love, I love, love literature, I love history, and this is a quote from American History, and it says this, facts are stubborn things, and whatever may be our wishes, our preferences, our inclinations, or the dictates of our passions, they cannot alter the state of facts and evidence. And that was uh, the second President of the United States, uh, John Adams, made that. In a a case where he was defending uh, uh, British soldiers before American colonists after the Boston Massacre, the American colonists had put the British British soldiers in a position where they had to defend themselves, and uh, John Adams, a patriot, got them uh, acquitted because they were innocent. And this was his quote, "'Facts are stubborn things, and whatever may be our wishes, our inclinations, or the dictates of our passions, they cannot alter the state of facts and evidence.'" Now, I'm not sure if that quote, uh, if Adams came up with it on his own or where he got it from, but I would also suggest because Adams was not unfamiliar with the Bible, he may have gotten it from the Gospel of Matthew, "'You know a tree by the fruit it bears.'" And today's passage is kind of like that. It's all about the facts. It's all about the fruit that we bear. In today's passage, John, uh, the son of thunder, the apostle of love, bluntly confronts among God's people a tendency towards the denial of reality. Sometimes uh, there are people who have grown up in the church, there are people in the church The church is often a mixed multitude, the gathering, the assembly of believers and non believers. And some of those people are kidding themselves. In his day, when he was dealing with the fallout from this uh, invasion of the church of some false teachers who had then departed, he was left to sort of clean up the mess they had made. And he wrote this epistle, which is their call to common sense. Their call to take a long, hard look in the mirror and assess the facts about their witness, their ways, their commitment to Christ. And he, uh, he could be very blunt and yet very tender in the same breath. So what we have here is a call to common sense by the Apostle John to that church then and there and to the church today in America, to this church here and now. And a call to consider where we stand in light of eternity, because facts are stubborn things. And he calls us in this passage to consider the facts and their implications. And as he always does, he uses imagery, light and darkness, walking, how we walk, and which means how we live. And we see in this passage, just like he did in the Gospel of John, some diagnostic statements, Uh, We call them the tests of life. You find them in the Gospel of John, and we find them in the uh, first epistle of John, certainly. And that's how we know we have the same author. In fact, in, in John 13, 34, and 35, we read this. A new commandment I give you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. This is Jesus talking. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if it's a conditional there, if you love, if you have love for one another. It's one of those if then statements that we've talked about, that we've seen already in First John. You have an, another statement about love and obedience and commands. Jesus says in John fourteen fifteen, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Another if-then statement. This is how we know that we're in him. This is how we know that we are in the fellowship, that we love who he loves, that we obey what he asks us to do. You see it again in the, uh, in, in the upper room discourse in John 15, 12 through 14. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you sacrificially, despite all the warts and scars. Greater love has no one than this that he lay down his life for his friends, You are my friends if you do what I command you. You you just see these real clear-cut black-and-white pronouncements in John's gospel. You see them in Revelation, and you see them here in 1 John as well. We're going to look at some today. The by this we know statements, the if-then statements, the whosoever statements. John writes to clarify for the unsaved their lost estate despite their protestations, despite their, despite their insistence to the contrary, he gives them a list of facts, and facts are stubborn things, and you may have different preferences, and you may wish things were different, but this is what the Word of God says. This is what God the Holy Spirit says through the pen of the Apostle John. And he writes these things that you may know. Right? We talked about this before. I write these things that you may know you have eternal life. So John by providing these tests of life wants his readers then and there and here and now to know where they stand eternally speaking for their only good for their, for their own good again 1 John is a call to basic Christianity it's a call to common sense Christianity and he calls us to closely diagnose and evaluate our own spiritual condition by providing us easy to understand clear cut irrefutable undeniable black and white contrasts calling us to take a long hard look in the mirror and so today we now look to our passage in 1st John 1st John 2 3 through 11 somebody once called it the duck passage if it walks like a duck and quacks like a duck and swims like a duck it's probably a duck And if it doesn't, it probably isn't a duck. So let's look at 1 John 2, 3 through 11. From the Son of Thunder, from the Apostle of Love, from the Holy Spirit. And by this we know, and by this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word in him, truly the love of God is perfected. You see these indicators. By this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way that he walked. Beloved, term of affection, I am writing you no new commandment, but an old commandment that you have had from the beginning. This is nothing new. This goes, you know, even back to the Gospel of John. It goes back to the beginning. The old commandment is the word that you have heard. At the same time, it is a new commandment that I am writing you, which is true in him and you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining What he's saying here, this this is nothing new. But maybe you ought to act like it's something new because time is running out. The darkness, the world is passing away. Time is short, and the true light is already shining. What we have here is a call to honesty, nothing new. It's a call to urgency because time is short. Back to the text. Verse 9, whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother... Is still in the darkness, still unsaved. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light, and in him there is no cause for stumbling. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going, eternally or otherwise, because the darkness has blinded his eyes. Tough stuff. Tough to read, tough to hear, tough to study. John is saying to them then and there, and to us here and now, sometimes you've got to take a long, hard look in the mirror. And in so doing, what John provides us with here in this text are three easy tests of life, three easy ways to determine whether you are in the faith or outside the kingdom. He, give, he, he calls you to look in the mirror and look for three features You know, when I shave, I look, you know, I have to shave around my chin and all sorts of facial features. He's saying look close in the mirror because one slip, it'll be worse than cutting yourself. And I'm just going to tell you right now because this is a difficult text to preach. If what you hear makes you mad at me, don't shoot the messenger. The problem isn't me. The problem may be you and where you stand in relation to God. Your problem may be with John or the spirit that inspired him and moved him to write what he's written. And so before you try to discount or blow off anything you might hear, some of you, remember that facts are stubborn things and your preferences and emotions and passions don't change the facts. Better to look in the mirror and say, is this me? So let's look at three tests of life that God the Holy Spirit Move John to give us so that we might examine ourselves and respond accordingly. And the first test of life is obedience to Christ. Obedience to Christ, easily the most obvious. 1 John 2, 3 through 5. By this we know. This speaks to a certainty derived by observation and experience. By this we know that we have come to know him, that we are Christians that we are Christ's followers if, that's a condition, we keep his commandments. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. Now, as we've talked before, this isn't about sinless perfection. This isn't about sinlessness. It's about sinning less and growing more and more to look like Christ. And then it goes on to say, but whoever keeps his word and in him truly the love of God is perfected. Could the word of God be less, could the word of God be more clear? By this we come and we know, and by this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. Whoever says I know him but does not keep his commandments is a liar. And the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word in him, truly, certainly, clearly, the love of God is perfected, matured, strengthened. And this gets back to our duck analogy. Look at 1 John 2, 3 again. And by this we know that we have come to know him, that we have saving faith if we keep his commandments. You know, we talk about the word walk which will show up in our passage. Walk is a characteristic of how we live our lives. It's a habitual trend in our lives. Again, it is not sinless perfection. That said, obedience or the, or the desire to obey God and, to, and someone who characteristically follows God is a sure sign of genuine faith. This is what it means to walk in the light. That person is in the light, seeks to stay in the light rather than persist or linger in the darkness. And John is being blunt here about what should be painfully obvious. Outward conduct reveals inner spiritual condition. And notice how he drives the point here. He just keeps repeating this. Verse 4. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. I mean, he's just hammering this home. Obedience to Christ is a sign of your love for Christ. Do not kid yourself. It's a sign of life, a test of life, according to Jesus. Our actions speak louder than our words. You know a tree by the fruit it bears, and that's the gospel according to Jesus, to borrow a phrase from somebody else. John 14, 15, right? If you love me, then you will keep my commands. And, and, and he says in, John, in Luke 6, 46, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? You know, people like to say the Bible's not clear, and that's your interpretation, this, that, and the other. But invariably, when you ask them for their interpretation, if it differs from what the text says, they don't have one. What what do the words say? What do the words mean? And how do we respond? Whoever says I know him but does not keep his commandments is a liar. How do you get around that? And the truth is not in him. It has not taken root. He may have affirmed it with mental assent. He may have affirmed it with his lips, but it never traveled the 18 inches from his head to his heart. And that's why Jesus says, if you love me, if you really love me, if you truly love me, if you love me, if you know me, then you will keep my commandments. And that's why he asks, and why do you call me Lord and not do what I tell you? This is common sense Christianity. It's basic Christianity. We become more like Christ and less like ourselves as we grow, as our love for God grows, as as the truth in us is perfected, is matured, is strengthened, we are more and more conformed to his image. It's not about just knowing the facts, right? James says in James chapter 2, the demons believe and shudder. The Gnostics taught, well, it's just what you know. You can live any way you want to. It doesn't matter. John gives that idea no quarter. He has no tolerance for that so we read in 1 John 2, uh, 5 and 6, By this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk the same way in which he walked. If he talks like a Christian, if she lives like a Christian, if she does what Christians do, if she loves what Christians love, what God loves, she's a Christian. These are signs of life. It gets back to the idea of being in the spirit and image of your father. You know, it's Father's Day, Right? We bear resemblance to our parents in some way. That's how you discern a family connection. And when you look at this text, we know that we are to bear resemblance to Christ who obeyed the Father and was obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. There is a spiritual family resemblance between all Christians. That We are related by blood, the blood of Christ. We may be from different countries, ethnicities, backgrounds, whatever. Ages, shapes, sizes. But... We tend to strive to walk as he walked. We talked about this before, contact with Christ, a supernatural encounter with the Savior. The indwelling of the Holy Spirit does not leave a man or a woman unchanged. I know that was kind of a myth with the carnal Christian in the 80s and the 90s, but that's a heresy that has long gone stale and died. It's like Moses again at the tent of meeting. The more contact he had with God, the more his face shone. And so we are called by the apostle of love, the son of thunder, to take a long, hard look in the mirror because facts are stubborn things. And here are the facts. By this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. Fact. Whoever says I know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. Fact. But whoever keeps his word in him the true in him truly the love of God or the love for God is perfected. Fact. You can try to reinterpret that. You can go through all kinds of interpretive and exegetical gymnastics, but you cannot get around what the words say and what the words mean. I want to zero in on 1 John 2, 5. It brings us to our second test of life, our second sign of life, and that is what? Love of God. Love for God. 1 John 2, 5. But whoever keeps his word, in him truly the love of God is perfected. But whoever keeps his word, in him truly the love of God is perfected. Now, some people like to debate, well, does that mean that God's love is perfected or his love for God is perfected? The answer is both and, not either or obedience is a sign of love if you love God you'll keep his commandments if you love Jesus you'll keep his commandments the word perfected here by the way doesn't mean again sinless perfection the Greek underlying the English here has to do with a maturation a strengthening it's sort of like when you exercise spiritual muscles they grow it's sort of like any relationship as you grow in your love for God as you walk with God day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year, it's like a marriage. Your relationship is strengthened. It's perfected. It's matured. You go from maybe at some point in your life infatuation to agape love. Love and respect equal obedience. This connection keeps showing up again and again. First John 2, 15, Do not love the world or the things of the, in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. There's no room for the occasional affair here. Faithfulness, obedience, and love are woven together like cords in an unbreakable strand. Don't say you love God and are a Christ follower if you walk in darkness. If you're not striving to walk as he walked, if you don't care, if if his commandments are a burden to you, if you are just tired of God's word and God's people, stop playing a game, right? Love of God, love for God is marked by a desire to please him, to obey him, a passion to serve him sacrificially, not just when you feel like it. You can't escape these ideas.